Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Movie Attic Headquarters with your host, Betty Jo Tucker, author of Confessions of a Movie Attic, right here at www.blogtalkradio.com. Hi, movie fans. This is Betty Jo Tucker thanking you for tuning in to Movie Attic Headquarters but also feeling sad about the passing of Gene Wilder yesterday. Gene was a true comic genius. Who can forget his great performances in films like Young Frankenstein, Blazing Saddles, The Producers, and so many more. You know, folks, we're very lucky to have these wonderful movies to enjoy over and over again. So rest in peace, Gene Wilder. You've left movie fans a marvelous legacy. But now, the show must go on, of course, and happily, filmmaker Ben Cressiman is here to talk about Sunchoke, that's C-H-O-K-E, his terrific new psychological thriller. And wow, I have to tell all of you listeners how impressed I am with Ben's work on this movie. I think it's the perfect blending of style and substance, and that's why I'm so glad Ben agreed to be our guest today. Let's bring him on now. Welcome to Movie Addict Headquarters, Ben. Hi, Betty Jo. Thanks for having me. Well, it's a real pleasure to have you with us. Congratulations on this uh, wonderful film, and I know that we only have you for uh, 20 minutes today, and this isn't the kind of movie that you want to say too much about plot, it might it might spoil it for the listeners. But but where did you get your idea for Sunchoke? Well, it you know it really started out as as kind of simply a, a character study about loneliness. Um, you know, I, I I sort of I discovered these these two central characters and and you know what their relationship was starting to look like to me and and you know, once I realized what they were both capable of, uh, it was really just sort of about being ready to follow them wherever they, they, they took me. Well, you did create uh, two uh, very intriguing characters in Janie and, and Irma. And I'm, I'm just so, it's so refreshing to see a psychological thriller that kind of leans towards horror and have the main you know, well, actually, three of the main characters uh, are are women, and uh, you really uh, you really picked a wonderful wonderful cast. How how did you pick uh, Sarah Hagen and uh, Barbara Crampton, and what was the the, the third lady, Sarah Sarah Malakoy Lane? Lane? Am I yeah. pronouncing that? Yeah, Malakoy Lane. Um, yeah, you know, we uh, we did a really extensive casting process here in L.A., and we saw nearly a 1,000 actresses for the three roles. And Sarah Hagen and Sarah Lane both came to us through that process. Um, they, In Sarah Hagen's case, she came in, and I 
of course, knew her from Freaks and Geeks. A lot of people know her from uh, what I believe is the final season of Buffy. And mm-hmm. she, you know, she walked in and, and I, for a minute it was hard for me to get Freaks and Geeks out of my head because I'm such a fan. Um, but the fact is she just, I mean, from the first audition, and they both came in several times, um, and in fact auditioned for both roles. Uh, mm. But there Hagen delivered such a devastating um, performance and brought such a a rich kind of internal life to to the role that you know after a certain point and sort of seeing what she was capable of it was really um, it was hard to deny that that she was you know really the the right choice for the lead and in Barbara's case um, her manager had gotten hold of the script and reached out to us as to, you know, whether we'd be, you know, interested in having, you know, Barbara read it. And then, you know, we got the script to Barbara and, and, and she did read it and, and really took to it. And there was a little bit of a courtship period um, where, you know, I was spending time on the phone with Barbara because she's based out of San Francisco area and I'm in LA. So we spent some time on, on the phone and, you know, Skype just sort of talking about the script and talking about the character and, ultimately decided it was, you know, it was something that, you know, we both wanted to pursue. I mean, we, you know, from, from my side, I mean, we knew as soon as we heard she was interested that Barbara was going to be our, our first choice. And I was really delighted to find as I started to work with her, even in the early stages before we really got into the, you know, the process um, that she was just such an engaged, uh, generous performer and, you know, Barbara and, and, Sarah and Sarah are, I mean, all, all three of them actresses who are really in touch with their craft and really um, game for, you know, the, some of the, the, the difficult places that the, the film kind of demanded they go. But oh, they yeah. all, I think, looked at it as a challenge that, that they were, you know, each in their own way kind of ready to, to take on. Well, they did take off, and I think it, it – it won't spoil things uh, just to to let our listeners know that um the movie is about this uh relationship between um Janie played by Sarah Hagen who is trying to get well and her relationship with her longtime nanny uh played by uh Barbara Crampton and uh, we don't know very much about about them and uh, that that doesn't doesn't interfere <laughs> with this movie because the things the the things that happen and the cinematography and everything about about the movie is just uh, so unique and uh, fascinating. And um, I did want to ask you if you did anything while you were working with uh, with the actresses, all all three of them. To get these fabulous performances, what what I know that this is this is only your second uh, full length film. Am I right about that? Yeah. Yes. And and yet, uh, maybe you just picked the right the right <laughs> the right women for the role. But what what techniques did you use with them to get these wonderful performances? Well, you know, um, it wasn't. So I mean I don't I don't know that I could point to any specific techniques. I mean I think really it starts with the script. Um, I think that they they all connected really strongly to the material and to the characters and and understood 
in a kind of implicit way what I was trying to do. And so it didn't, it didn't require a lot of, you know, coaxing on my part to get those performances in as much as they, they kind of knew going into it that that's, you know, that's what would be required of the roles. And so, I mean, certainly we, we did a lot of, I mean, in in the case of Sarah Hagen, I mean, we, we talked a lot about, um, you know, the sort of various, I mean, because we don't get into the specifics of Janie's disorder, but Sarah and I did a lot of talking about mental illness and, you know, psychological upheaval and, you know, a lot of research into, I mean, certainly like the physicality of the seizures was a big thing. Um, I guess that's a mild spoiler, but not not terribly, um, you know, was something that me and Sarah discussed at length. Um because ultimately we really wanted to, you know, the goal was to be true to, to the characters and to the script. And, you know, it, it was, it was really important to, to myself and, and all three actresses that we, we stay as close to that truth as possible at all times. And, and, but it, the other side of it is that they all are such fantastic actresses that, you know, it really, like when it came to just on the day, they they were prepared. They knew exactly what they wanted to do with it. And if, I mean, there, but, the, you know, there was never a moment really I can recall where, you know, a scene wasn't working and we had to approach it in a new way or employ some sort of specific kind of technique to get to the to the heart of it. It was always, it was a very organic process in that way. And I'm, I'm really fortunate to have, to have worked with yeah. performers that are, that, as I said, are so generous and so, um, you know, in control of their, their craft. Well, they delivered remarkable performances and those were difficult roles. And what I liked about uh, uh, Sarah Hagen, uh, she really did have, I think the cinematography was, was partly responsible for this, but she did, she projected that uh, vulnerability of, you know, wanting to get well, and then sort of, uh, but also confusion, and all the time she has kind of an eerie aura about her, and you're, it, it just makes you wonder, you know, what is she going to do next, What and what's happening here, and how is this all going to end, and then Barbara Crampton, as the as the nanny, uh, I, I felt there was just kind of a scary strength coming through her. And I mean, and it was and it was scary. Although the the opening of the movie doesn't make you think that it's you know that it's going to go go that way. You think that she's really a very caring caretaker. And and this um, Sarah Lane, she she was just so believable as a trusting soul. And putting putting them all together, the way you you know, slowly, slowly, very slowly, <laughs> we begin to see, you know, the changes in these uh, in these characters, and uh, just you were you were helped also by is it Matthew uh, Rudenberg? Is that am yeah. I pronouncing the cinematographer's name correctly? Talk yes. about highly creative cinematography. I I just felt the confusion in Cheney's mind. I, I just felt it. And with those dramatic close-ups and all the different quick flashbacks, and the, you just wanted to know, okay, what's what's going to happen next? And, and it just pulls you 
pulls you in. So how did you find this uh, creative cinematographer? Um, well, we, we were connected by the, the producers of the film, uh, the, my producers at Lodger Films. And, um, you know, we, we had never worked together before, but it was a, it was a really easy process. We kind of sat down and, and essentially first just went through the script and kind of made some basic choices about what the, the visual vocabulary was going to be. Um, what, you know, what kind of devices are we going to employ? What, um, you know, what is our color palette going to look like? And, and of course, Matthew, who's, I mean, truly a, a, a genius and, and just a, a wonderful person to work with because in addition to his talent, he's, he's got an incredible energy about him and, and, and is so engaged and enthusiastic about the process um, that it makes it a real joy. And so he also came with, you know, some pretty cool tricks up his sleeve that I was not, yeah. you know, prepared for or, or, you know, hadn't considered, but, but really kind of amplified what, what we were doing. And ultimately, you know, the, the cinematography I mean, I think like every every other aspect of the film, I mean, you know, we were really trying at all times to use the cinematography as a, a kind of conduit into her interior psychological life. And yes, I... in in any way that we could, you know, I mean, if what I mean, you you mentioned the close ups. I mean, you know, we some of the close the film, we've got really shallow depth of field. Everything in the background is kind of fogged out and defocused and we're really, we're really, you know, centered on Janie. And, um, and I think, you know, techniques like that, I mean, really, you know, trying to really dig into that mind and, and see what we could get out of it um, was, was a really fun process to, you know, look at, you know, how can we use the camera to, to kind of make, make uh, tangible what is, you know, so often intangible, which is to say somebody's, you know, psychological state their emotional state and and it became a real uh, a real exciting way to to explore aspects of the character that um you know might not otherwise have been explored well it worked it definitely worked for me and i and um i i had to to write a little poem about it because i couldn't get into the review because this poem was just you know turning around in my head and i I'll, I'll read the first verse because it says sun choke earns props for visual style it beats some thrillers by a mile intriguing shots of things mundane evoke dark thoughts of awful pain and that's i was thinking about there the the cinema cinematography and I just think it was done so well. And then about your about your direction, I wrote, fine direction moves plot along, but not too fast. That would be wrong. Style and substance together make Sunchoke a film not to forsake. And I mean that, dear listeners. <laughs> I mean, where where can where can our listeners see Sunchoke? Well, right now it's it's available on. Uh, we had a we had a theatrical run here in, in Los Angeles and we, we screened in uh, New York as well but at the moment uh, we're available on iTunes, cable VOD, uh, you know PlayStation, Voodoo, Google Play, I mean any any whichever digital platform is your preference uh, you know more than likely Sunshine is, is, is waiting right there for you. 
Oh, great. And I, I want the listeners to definitely uh, see this this film. Do you have a – we've got a few more, few more minutes here. I'm watching the clock, so I don't keep you past 20 minutes. But uh, what do you have a favorite film genre and any particular uh, film uh, filmmaker that's inspired you? I don't know that I have a favorite film genre. Um, I mean, I've, I've, I've sort of been a, a dyed-in-the-wool cinephile since a, from a very young age, and I've always just been fascinated with cinematic storytelling. Um, you know, I, I, I grew up in, I sort of came of age in the, you know, the thick of the VHS generation, you know, HBO, Saturday Night, New Movies. And, and so for me, it was always just about, you know, ingesting as much of this material as I possibly could I think I definitely gravitate towards, I guess you could say darker material, um, but that's not by any means exclusive. Um, you know, certainly with respect to my own work, that's the sort of emotional range that I tend to stay in. Um, but as far as what I, I like to, to watch, it's, you know, it's it's all over the map. And as far as filmmakers, I mean, you know, there, there, I mean, there are tons, you know, I mean, every, every, you know, it sort of runs the gamut from, you know, you could go all the way back to, um, the French new wave, uh, you know, Italian neorealism, uh, Ingmar Bergman is a huge influence kind of constantly. Um, but, you know, I also, as I said, you know, given the sort of the, the time when I was coming of age, you know, Quentin Tarantino was a big one for me. Paul Thomas Anderson, you know, people who were making, making, you know, the big inroads into their careers at a point where I was just getting old enough to, to really understand um, even just the beginnings of, of what they were doing and how significant it was. So, you know, for me, I guess, you know, to, to, to speak it, you know, broadly on it, it's, I, I'm, I've always been drawn to filmmakers who are, are you know who show a dedication to to their characters and and who who strive for something truthful um and and that can that can come in any form i mean i think what's so wonderful about genre film is that it gives you sort of a structure and a toolkit to work with um you know whether it's a sci-fi thriller or a crime you know a caper movie or i mean any number of horror film any number of things you have these devices that are available to you to play with, but ultimately the story is about, it's about the characters and and the decisions that they're making. And so again, uh, for, for me, filmmakers who, who really emphasize character have have always been a a, a big part of my, my understanding of film. Well said. And I, I sensed a little bit of um, David Lynch, in this in Sunchoke, I, I sensed, sensed a little a little bit of that. Uh, and well, we've got um, one more minute before uh, your twenty minutes is up. What do you have anything else you would like to add? What is the most important thing you would like our listeners to know about Sunchoke? Well, I, I, I guess I would love for people to know that uh, you know it is it's a it's a it's a difficult film at times. It's a it's a distressing film at times, but it's it's something that we all you know those of us making it really strove for for something truthful and i'm and i'm immensely proud of of you know the truth that we're able to kind of excavate from from the story and um you know as 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 shocking as it can be in in certain moments 
I think it's also a really, I mean, it's a really beautiful film and there's, there's a lot to, to take from it if you're, if you're willing to, to go on the ride. So, you know, I, I, I'm excited for people to see it and, you know, excited to hear people talk about it and, you know, just everything about it has just really been a dream for me. Well, I think that you, that you are, you have a great future ahead and I'm looking forward to see more movies by you and uh, our, uh, our 20 minutes is up. And I just um, want to tell you how much I have appreciated you spending this time with us and uh, I hope that when you have your next movie finished, you'll come back and talk with us uh, more about it. Would would you do that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I'm looking forward to that. So thank you very, very much, Ben, and uh, we will let you go. I know that you're a very busy person, but I, I do want you to know that we have two people in the chat room who are very, who are very interested in Sunchoke and in your work. Fausta's blog and Mistress Angie, and uh, I know if they get a chance to see the, see Sunchoke, they'll they'll be passing the word along too. So uh, bye for now, and we'll hope to talk to you again soon. Great, thank you so much for having me. You're very welcome. It was it was our pleasure. Okay, bye. Time now for a brief message from one of our loyal listeners. Hi, comedian Nancy Lombardo here, host of Comedy Concepts, Blog Talk Radio. And when I need my movie fix, you'll know where I'll be found. That's right, every Tuesday at 4 p.m., listening to Betty Jo Tucker on Movie Attic Headquarters, Blog Talk Radio. Show me the funny, Betty, show me the funny! Thanks, Nancy, for that fun promo. That, of course, was uh, the hilarious host of uh, Comedy Concepts, Nancy Lombardo, who uh, has uh, just a knack for humor, and I'm hooked on her show. She um, uh, she runs uh, Comedy Concepts every uh, Monday and Friday mornings at 10.30 Eastern Time, and I see that uh, Mistress Angie uh, is in the chat room, and uh, uh, she's a very, well, that is Angela Drake Perry, who is a VIP uh, and host over on the uh, Wacko Network, and uh, we had quite an, a discussion this morning on her show, and we talked uh, quite a bit about, about Gene Wilder, and uh, she has a, a favorite Gene Wilder film, and it's uh, the, the Willy Wonka and the and the Chocolate Factory, and uh, I don't know uh, if Fausta is a fa- is a fan of Gene Wilder, but Fausta, if you are and you'd like to uh, you'd like to put in the chat uh, what your favorite uh, Gene Wilder movie is, we uh, we would mention it here on the air. And we have one more message from another loyal listener. You're listening to. Movie Attic Headquarters with your host, Betty Jo Tucker. She's the real deal in what's happening on film. And if you're not real careful, you might hear the confessions of a movie attic. So get your popcorn and stay right there in your seat for Movie Attic Headquarters. And now back to our feature. And thank you, Steve, for that fun promo. 
and we did get a mention from Fausta that young Frank and well, she says Frankenstein, but I think that's the way Gene Gene Wilder <laughs> once remember in the movie Young Frank and Frankenstein, he said Frankenstein. And that movie has one of my favorite movie scenes of all time, putting on the Ritz with uh, Peter Boyle as the monster, and of course Gene uh, Wilder in the role of the uh, you know the young Doctor Frankenstein. <laughs> and then as a tap dancer, I really appreciate that uh, a monster and uh, his creator doing tap dancing to putting on the Ritz and all dressed up like Fred Astaire with the top hat and tails and the cane. It's just, it's just uh, hilarious. So we, we will miss uh, Gene Wilder, but uh, we do have the, as I mentioned earlier, the wonderful, wonderful uh, work that he's done on movies that we can enjoy over and uh, over again. Well, um, I'm sorry to say uh, we did have a short show today because um, Ben only had 20 minutes to spend with us, and um, um, I'm having trouble with my vocal cords. So uh, 20, uh, 30 minutes is about all I'm, I'm able to do these days, and I see that our time is almost up. And so here's a, ba- a big shout-out to Ben Cressiman for being a great guest today and to the folks at Blog Talk Radio for their support as well as to our chatters and other listeners and special thanks to Nancy Lombardo, George Bettinger and Angela Drake Perry for their enthusiastic support. They always mention Movie Addict Headquarters on their wonderful radio shows. As I mentioned before, Nancy is the hilarious host of Comedy Concepts right here on Blog Talk Radio every Monday and Friday morning at 10.30 Eastern Time. And George hosts his very entertaining Mom and Pop Shop show on TuneIn Radio from Miramar, Florida, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. And as I mentioned also, Angela is a VIP and show host for the Wacko Network, where there's something of interest for everyone each day of the week and weekends, too. <laughs> and... Uh, I should mention that the Wackle Network now airs on uh, Mixler, M-I-X-L-R. And Fausta, <laughs> Fausta puts a line in that uh, you'll all remember. It could be worse. It could be raining. And, of course, my my favorite line is of Gene Wilder is from the uh, uh, Blazing Saddles where he plays the Wackle Kid. And when Bart asks him if he needs any help, he says, he says, only all I can get, and I need, I feel the same way most of the time. Well, please come back next time for another spirited discussion about movies. Our guest will be film historian James Colt Harrison and entertainment journalist Diana Sanger, who have agreed to enlighten us about the remaking of Ben-Hur. That should be interesting. In the meantime, don't forget to check out our film reviews at realtalkreviews.com. That's R-E-E-L, realtalkreviews.com. Also, if you haven't ordered my new book, Cinema Stanzas, Rhyming About Movies, you can purchase this Kindle ebook for only $3.99 on Amazon.com. Thanks to so many of you who have purchased the book and commented on it. I really appreciate it. Well, that's all for now, folks. 
Okay, let's ask Meryl Streep to close the show singing a song with a title that reminds me of Sunchoke, the film we've been talking about today. It's You Don't Know Me, and it's from Postcards from the Edge. But you know, I think Meryl will need a little persuasion. Come on, Meryl, you can do it. You give your hand to me, that Ray Charles tune, and then you say hello. Yeah, yeah. Keep going. And I can hardly speak. <laughs> Let me sing. My heart is beating so 